All right, we are talking about Psalm 23, all right? And with Psalm 23, we've been doing a short section of each, so please turn to that. And we are going to say it together on the count of three. We're going to go one, two, three, and then go, okay? We're going out of go. Or are we going after go? We're going one, two, three. Read. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. One, two, three. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So, the Lord is my shepherd. What does that mean? I'm going to take each verse, and you just need to give me a few words. Less than ten, more than one. Unless if it is the most amazing one word you've ever spoken in your life. So, like, nine. Or two, or six, or three, or seven. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to tell me he what the Lord shepherd. is my shepherd means what? Um, I am willingly his. Okay, I am willingly his. Anything else? He takes care of me. Okay, <laughs> right? What about his voice? It is loud. <laughs> no, it can be very quiet. what? And I do what to his voice? Listen to him. I listen and I... Not quite. I if you're a sheep, understand. <laughs> if you're a sheep, you recognize your shepherd's voice, okay? All right. I shall not want. Oh, I don't need the things that he doesn't give me. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. God provides Everything needs, need. right? He right. provides needs. He makes sure you are not lacking of things. And sometimes, even when, they, when you believe you are lacking in things, the fact of you learning to be without sometimes is what you do need. Not that he's always going to keep things from you, but there are moments in life and seasons in life where he says, learn to be with me and learn to be content with me because I am enough. Okay, But he does not starve his people. Figuratively. Okay, he does not starve his people. He takes care of his people. All right, and that's part of a way to think about it is regardless of situation, there may be very, very difficult things. And there are people that have literally been hungry with, that love the Lord. Literally hungry. Lived in times and places where 
Uh, I've, I've listened to a lot of things about German concentration camps and things lately. And with that, there have been people that have loved the Lord that have been starving and, and have really physically been in hard, difficult spots. But he has been with them the entire time and walked them through a level of understanding, all right, which, which is a depth of faith. And I'm not, under my, uh, you know, I'm not undervaluing what they did. I'm, I'm saying their experience is very deep. When God says, walk through me in this place where you want, it's a deep experience, okay? All right. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He gives you a very nice place to be. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, how is it very nice? Because it's green. You feel like you can lay down because sheep need no what friction. to lay down? No friction. No friction? No hunger. No hunger? No flies and parasites. No parasites? Good. One more. Fear. No fear. Okay. They need those things to lie down. So do humans. To have a calm spirit. And God says, don't be anxious for anything. All right? But in everything, give thanks. You cannot add one inch to your stature by worrying about things. Okay. And then last week, he leads me besides the still waters. He brings you to clean water. Okay. That is drinkable because the sheep drink any water they want to. <laughs> any water. <laughs> disgusting water. And how is that to do with humans? What, how does that parallel with you um, and your shepherd? Because we'll drink whatever we, like, we'll, we'll do whatever we want, even though he'll lead us to the right thing, and we might. We'll still not do what he wants anyway. We'll go do whatever we mm -hmm. want. Mm -hmm. So there's a stubbornness and there is a consistency that the Lord continues to bring you back to the clean water. Okay. He restoreth my soul. Now, this is what we're doing today. It is a common happening for a sheep. It happens that sometimes a sheep... Gets cast. A cast sheep. Now that's kind of an older word that they use. The idea is this. This is exactly what happens. A sheep goes and he finds a spot to lay down. And this sounds really stupid. And it kind of is. But he finds that sheep spot to lay down. And it might be a little hole or might be kind of on a little hill. Or it may actually be in a flat spot. And the sheep goes and does kind of buckle under its legs and sometimes falls over. <laughs> and it sounds stupid. But once they get beyond where their legs are here on the side, they can roll on their back and they're done. That's called a cast sheep. Okay? He does not die immediately. But death is imminent if his problem does not change. Most of the time, he can't get up himself. Sometimes he can if he struggles enough. But most of the time, he will just sort of sit there. Uh -huh, uh -huh, uh -huh. Belly up in the air. 
and kind of uh, maybe go a little this way, a little that way, but cannot get back over with their body weight upright onto their feet. And so, with that commonplace, feet up into the air, the problem with a sheep is that their center of gravity is way too high. Right? They have a mass here and four sticks. Okay? <laughs> now, they might be short sticks, or they might be longer sticks. Either way, but that is a sheep. It's All beautiful. You need, all you need is a head and some ears. And some ears. Okay? Right. <laughs> and there's your sheep, okay? Yes. Uh, so, your sheep... Got the pig looking thing. Yeah, you should give it knees. Sheep have knees. Knees? Yeah, give it little circles. You need to make it... Audrey really likes knees. <laughs> just can't get back up. Now, problem with it is this. It's not a problem for a sheep to be on its back. It doesn't hurt its back or anything. But what's happening inside is the issue. Oh, let's see. We're going to have... This is its mouth. Okay. This is the inside of its mouth. There's its lips, okay? <laughs> oh, I need two colors for this. Oh, it's green. Green? No. So we have an inflow of food, and that goes down a tube, okay, gets down to their stomach, which is actually their rumen, okay, gets to their rumen. Within their rumen, there is a an entrance, okay, to their exhaust system, <laughs> right? <laughs> and the exhaust system leaves the stomach and goes, this is stretched out a bit, okay? And there you go. Out it goes. Okay? <laughs> All right? So you have two things coming in. You have food. And you have air, right, coming in, and it gets all the way down into the rumen. When it hits the rumen, the rumen's job is to hold all of the things that it has eaten, the grass, the grain, and all the things that it's eaten, and it actually ferments them. Okay, that's the idea. With a, with a rumen, it holds it. Now, and ferments. What is fermenting? It happens in wine. What's it's not mold. It's not mold. Bacteria. Okay. And what they what they put out is gas. Yes. 
okay? And the gas is um, fermented, rotten, which is what fermenting is. Basically, it rots and it gives off gas. So a wine has pressure in it because it's an anaerobic process. Anaerobic, you might have heard of aerobics, right? You do aerobics. And what does that mean? That is a cardiovascular thing, right? Where you move your body a lot. It's not about weightlifting. It's not about that. It's just moving your body a lot. That's aerobics, okay? Moving all the parts of your body. It's supposed to get your heart rate up. Your heart rate brings in lots of what? Air. Air. Oxygen. Oxygen is what you need for an aerobic, not an, not an, an anaerobic, but an aerobic process is lots of oxygen. An anaerobic process means no oxygen. So it uses no oxygen. It uses other gases, typically carbon dioxide, and carbon dioxide and other gases build up. That's what the fermentation is happening inside. So there is a big amount of gas going in a sheep, right? Do you know that? Of course you do, you all have sheep. What happens when you move sheep around or when they stand still, when they eat? <laughs> they fart, <laughs> a lot, right? And it smells, <laughs> Because that is the anaerobic thing. But the good thing is if they fart a lot, it is not staying inside getting it all out there, okay? It comes out. The problem with this, with this fermenting, is all of your junk, your oxygen comes in here, and your oxygen actually kind of pushes right down through. Your food comes in here and it sits. Kind of with juices and nasty stuff, okay? And the top half is gas and the bottom half is food. Roll it over upside down, and you plug the hole. In 24 hours, they can build up enough gas inside of them, and it cannot get out, and they die. Will it like explode like a parachute? Well, I don't know if it like explodes, <laughs> but it creates. Have you ever had? Yeah, so that happens because they get a twisted stomach, right? That's what happens with yeah. a cow, and their process of fermenting does not happen, right? So with a sheep, you find it on its back, and it can't get up for 24 hours. Every sheep's a little different. Every sheep, the amount that's going to that's gonna take it out is a little different. A lot of times they can actually die of heat, depending on where you are in the world, okay? Because they're looking for... A place to be they get rolled over in some place and all of a sudden it's the midday heat and that takes energy out of them and then they die sooner okay but they say around 24 hours could be 48 hours if you have a super strong sheep maybe they last 36 hours but again it's imminent if you do not fix this problem there will die and it is as simple as rolling them back over. <laughs> it is, it seems so stupid, like you're laying on your back and you have no way to get up. 
Maybe if sheep had hands, they could get up. Okay? <laughs> could grab and pull themselves till they fell back over? I don't know. <laughs> but, but the opposable hooves, right? <laughs> so the idea is this. There's no way without an intervention from something or somebody, without, they won't do it. They can't. So a cast sheep happens, especially when you're in different territory where you have a little spot where they like to lay down and might like roll and that's it. That's like their, but the idea is they lose their balance, their center of gravity and they roll and they're done. So they need to be helped out of this situation. It often happens with certain types of sheep for certain reasons. We'll get into that in a minute. But the idea is this. You take them, feet away from you. Push the feet away from you, okay? Because what's going to happen when they get on their side again? They're going to go, and kick you, right? Feet away from you, roll them to their side, and literally get them and push them, center of gravity, back up. If they've been this way for a long time and have been weakened, their legs may have had no blood to them for a long time. Some shepherds have had to rub their legs and get them going and moving again, stand them back up and hold them there because they have no strength in their legs. What happens when you wake up in the morning? You ever woke up in the morning and your arm fell asleep? Or something. What does that feel like? It just sort of hangs there. You can't get it to do anything, right? You're like, this is, you can't grab something until your blood flows, right, through it. But that's what their legs feel like. So if you stand them up on their legs, they might go right back down. So you have to kind of hold them and get them there, rub the legs, get them to get a little bit of uh, established where they are, and then... I'll let them go, calm them down, right? Because they're going to be all frantic. You calm them down, you let them go. This is the idea behind a sheep. This is why it's so perfect when God says we are like sheep. It is just absolutely perfect because we see this and need this. You need to restore the sheep. There he is. You know, <laughs> that's it. Feet up in the air, legs up in the air, just sort of wobbling, okay? And even after you restore that sheep upright and you get them, oftentimes it might happen right again, fall right down again. Sometimes several times until you get them back on track and upright. They can actually have a lot of bloating and they got to get rid of it all, Okay. And they might kind of be sideways, they might kind of stumble, and they might roll right back over again. I tell you, this is stupid sounding, right? It is so stupid. You roll on your back and die. That's stupid sounding. And yet, it is exactly what happens to sheep. Okay? So let's look at, in humans, first of all, when we see this, we use this word... Uh, our part of our verse from Psalm 23 is he restores my soul. We're going to take a few more chapters ahead to Psalm 51. Psalm number 51. Because the process of getting them back up off of a, a cast sheep, back off its back, onto its feet, I would call a restoration. Being restored. 
okay? We need it as humans. We need it. Psalm number 51, verse number 12. This is a Psalm of David. David has messed up royally. This is the perfect Psalm written all about forgiveness, asking for forgiveness. But Psalm 51, verse number 12. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. All right. There are many times in this life when we lose our joy. We lose our desire to go on. We oftentimes get exhausted. How many of you are not night people? You're a morning person. Anybody a morning person here? Mm. Not you. <laughs> Nobody's a morning person here? Everybody's a night person here? So, when you're tired, and you're more tired probably in the morning than you are, when you're tired in the morning, okay, how difficult is it to get motivated when you're exhausted? <laughs> right? It is the hardest thing. And people have lived and survived in the world in various <laughs> terrible situations and places and things where they, they shouldn't have lived. Whether it was getting lost in some blizzard somewhere and finding a way to live. Um, there's a movie about a bunch of soccer players. I think it's called Alive. Many years ago they did it, and this was based on true events. People were flying over the Andes Mountains, a soccer team, and a few other people. Their plane crashed way up in the Andes Mountain, and lots of people died. And a few people survived, and they had no hope of being found for a long time. They were together for a very, very long time. And the people that were with them, they had a great struggle. They ended up eating the other people to stay alive. It's not something they chose to do to begin with. Right, yes. uh, it's not something they would have ever chosen to do and many of them said, I just won't do it. But others said, it's all we have. They ate every little thing that they could find that was anything else. And days and weeks passed. And they were either going to die or not. What kept them going? They had to have drive. They had to have the desire to stay alive. Alright? People have lived in POW camps. In Vietnam. Mistreated terribly. Terrible things done to men and women in Nazi Germany. Terrible things, again, done to men and women. What keeps you alive? There's something more than the physical beating of your heart that makes you get up in the morning or get up and do something. There's a drive in a human. And when the drive is lost with that human being, 
many times they go right down and are gone. I have seen people, older couples, who have been married for many, many years together, sometimes 50, 60, even almost 70 years. And those people have lived and lived and lived together so long in their life that it's just a part of their life. And when one spouse dies, most often it is not long before the other spouse dies. Even if that spouse was not in bad health. It just all of a sudden, they lose their desire. There's something about the human experience that desire is needed. Drive. And that is true in the Christian life. When David asks for restoration of his joy, of his salvation, of his soul, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, uphold thee with me with thy free spirit. He has been crushed by his own choices. Stupid choices, ignorant choices, wrong choices. He did them fully knowing and he went and did them and then he realizes through a whole series of events that he made a big, big mistake. And he can't take the mistake back. He did everything and it doesn't go back in. You say words, they don't go back in. You can't unsay the words you said. You can't undo the things you did. They're done. But he goes back and asks forgiveness of God's sin, of, of the sin from God. Particular David committed adultery, covered it up by murdering one of his most loyal men, and then ignored his people. He did a lot of bad things. But he came back to God and said, please restore me. Not just back to where I don't feel bad anymore, but he went through an entire process of asking for forgiveness, and then he brought back where he felt crushed, he felt useless, the desire was gone out, and he had seen what could be with desire and joy in his Christian life, and he says, I want that back again. And so he asked God to restore it, and God is in the business of restoring us. When we mess up, God is in the business of restoring our souls. Deeper than just saying, well, you're good. Keep going. There's something within us in where he comes back and flips us back over onto our feet because we've been on our back, about ready to die. Stupid choices that got us there. You look and you say, dummy, what are you doing? Right? Why are you laying on your back like that? How'd you even get there? And God says, I'll take you back up. I'll put you back where you should be. And I will take care of you. God is in the business of restoring people. He does it all the time. First Peter, First Peter other end of the Bible. First Peter chapter 5, verse number 10.
First Peter chapter five, verse number ten, please. Wherever we left off. I don't know who's that. Is that you? No? No. First Peter five ten. To me, this is a perfect picture of a sheep restoring you. Yep, you suffered. You did something wrong. Might have been your own suffering. Might have been just circumstances where you suffered. And then what do you do to the sheep? Well, there's a few things, right? You suffered a little while. He flips you back up. This is the right way you should be. Makes you perfect, right? Here's where you should be. He establishes you. Let's rub your feet. And get you so you can stand there. He strengthens you. I'm going to hold you for a little while because you're just going to tip over again if I don't. And he settles you. It's an interesting choice of putting that together, right? Settling you and strengthening you. But that's the idea of how God restores, right? Makes you perfect. He establishes you, okay, and establishes just like establish, we use the word establish, the same thing. Establishes you, um, he strengthens you, and then he makes you calm. He calms you. He settles you. As a Christian, when you've been through this process and you've messed up and God comes and does this to you, it's a little shocking at first, right? Because you don't know exactly what he's going to do with you and you're kind of waiting for the big walloping because you messed up and you did wrong. But God does this lovingly and he brings you back and he puts you into this place where you are a little stronger, a little wiser, a little more careful each time. Maybe just a tiny bit. And he brings you into a place where you understand he is there to help you. There are sheep who don't kick and flail at you when you know them well. When they trust you, they lay there calmly and they wait. And when someone comes, the shepherd, the person they know well comes to help them and pick them up. You know what that feeling is with a sheep, with an animal, right? Where you spend time with it and you guys do it at the fair. You sit in the cage all day long with those sheep and you start to have a bond with this sheep, right? They start to make more sense to you and they get more used to you and they say, huh, I trust this one. Now, they don't always agree when they go out into the ring, do they? They yank them around and push them around sometimes because they're still stubborn. But when you just go and sit next to them and everything's right, 
they're the most calm they could be. They're not kicking you, and they're not doing anything like that. They're very calm. Sitting next to you, they feel everything's right. And that's exactly what God wants you to feel and know, is that His restoration, He will get you back to where it is. You may have to call on Him. Not that He doesn't know, but He wants you to know that He's there. He wants you to know. So He brings you back to a place of being settled. Christianity, and I'll say it a better way, Learning to have God in your life, learning to live with God will not bring and take away hard things in your life, but it will make you more established and more steady when all the things go wrong. You will learn not to be flighty and not to be, wow, what's happening now? And I got to do this and I I can't believe this. You will learn to trust God's going to be here. Even when you mess up. Even when it's your fault. You trust and know God and you begin to understand God's love is greater than my understanding. I don't know exactly how it all works, but I know He loves me more than I deserve. And that's enough for me today. And that gets me to my next place and my next place and I'm more steady. If you can live your life with a relationship with God where you learn to be more and more steady then you have learned patience and gentleness and kindness self-control those things are what bring you to a point of maturity. That's what makes you where God is ready to use you. He'll do amazing things with you. He can take you to the wilds of Africa and do something great. He can do something amazing here in this neighborhood and anywhere in between if that's his plan for you. And he knows what you're built like and he knows how tough you are and he knows uh, the, the weaknesses you have and he knows your strengths and he knows your talents and he has a place, perfect place plugged in for you somewhere. But he wants you to trust him and know he's always got me. Even when the world seems upside down or you're upside down in the world, okay? He's got me, He is in the business of restoring, all right? So why do they fall over? That's really the big question, right? Why do they fall over? This is the last piece that we need to understand. We got it. God restores us. It's a great thing. Why do these sheep fall over? Well, there is three reasons, uh, and they're mostly related. They all have to do with weight, right? You put lots of weight up on top of here, and they go, ooh, fall over, right? Center of gravity. It's just a physics thing, right? Physics says you put the weight up here on the end of a stick. It's like... I don't know if you've ever, this is, used to be a thing when you're a guy, anyways. Every guy has tried this, some to their own peril, when they learn about this trick. Because they gotta try it. You take a sledgehammer, 
<laughs> right? And you touch the end of it to your nose. Then you go a little further and try to get it and control it. Just touch your nose. I'm not recommending it. I'm just saying that's what every guy has done to just test their strength to see. And you usually do this when you're young. And maybe you slip up and that's stupid. And then you look dumb for a while. But <laughs> maybe for a long time. But the idea is this stick with a great big head on the end of it is not well balanced, right? It wants to go boom right in your face. And the idea is you're supposed to uh, just touch it. And then we can get it where you swing it and just touch it to your nose, right? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Telling you, girls don't usually go for that, but Gideon's thinking about it, right? <laughs> don't try it in front of people first, right? <laughs> Short, small swings. All right, so the idea is that there's just weight on the end of this thing, right? And it falls over. Why is there weight? There's three reasons usually why there's weight. One is they're pregnant, right? They're carrying more than themselves, and it's all right here, right? And so when you're pregnant, your muscles and everything you are meant to carry your body around with all of a sudden got to carry a whole lot more in a very quick time. So balance is a big deal, and everything's a big deal, and everything hurts eventually when, they, when the babies get big and big and big, and you've got two in there, usually. Usually. Sometimes one, sometimes three, I guess, but two is pretty common, right? Lambs that are going to be born, their mothers oftentimes are cast flip over. It's a situation. It's nothing they did wrong. It's nothing stupid. It's just a situation. And sometimes circumstances, sometimes circumstances in our life are just hard and tip us over. And we get sad and dejected and tired and exhausted and don't know how we can go on. And this is the moment where God specifically says he watches over for those with young. In tender situations, God is very tender to people. He's not waiting to crush you and smash you from up above. Wait till they do it. Oh, they almost messed up. Look at oh, I got them. That's not the way God thinks. That's what humans think. That's not the way God thinks. God thinks in a very tender way. Firm. He wants you to do right, but he cares for you, and he wants you to succeed, and he wants you to be wonderful, and he wants you to learn to love him, and he wants you to do so many things. He's got so many plans for every one of you. So sometimes the circumstances in our life just happen. Lambs are pregnant, or ewes are pregnant with lambs because they're pregnant with lambs, right? And they tip over because circumstances are just such that they can't hold the weight anymore. They lost their balance. And that happens in life. You can get into those circumstances that just tip you over because it was just more than you can handle. God will restore you. The next one is, not pregnant, but just fat. Oh. <laughs> All right? Fat sheet, roll over. And it's true. I don't know. Josiah watches this 
Sean, the sheep. And they have these great big, <laughs> these great big sheep. And there's just like four like little black sticks sticking out of there. <laughs> they all walk on two feet though, but until people are watching. So, <laughs> they've got some mighty big fat rollover sheep, right? Sometimes sheep are just fat. It is not about physically being fat that matters so much, although it could be, I guess, a part of it. The point is this, there are things in our life where we have a lifestyle where sometimes we're fat as a Christian. We're lazy. And lazy, too much food, and I don't mean too much reading of your Bible, but I mean too many good things in our life bring us to a point where we're just lazy. And when we get lazy in our Christian life, we don't go and help, we don't go and do the things we should do, we don't try to make ourselves spiritually stronger, we don't strive for living for the Lord, it's just sort of, eh, let everything just sort of happen to us, we get lazy. Getting lazy gets us into these spots because we are not sharp as we should be. If you're going to be a warrior, if you're going to go out and win a battle, okay, then you can't just practice with your sword the day before you get the battle. You have to practice and practice and practice and practice and practice. If you're going to be in band, you're going to do well. Your whole band is going to do well. You have to practice and practice and practice and practice and practice. That's how you do it. But when we get Christians, we think, eh, God's just going to forgive us and do it and we just say, eh, I'm not going to do anything. So we get lazy. That's one thing. Yes, God will restore us after we've tipped over. A lot of times he lets us tip over when we get to that point and realize we've messed up. And when he gets us to that point, God restores us and gives us something new. He gives us uh, hope. Teaches us. To be in that. And then one more thing. Not fat, not pregnant, but too much wool. Keeps growing, keeps growing, keeps growing, keeps growing, keeps growing. Okay? And then, when you're out in the mud, and all those things, you pick up more and more dirt and matted stuff nasty stuff. It just hangs there, right? You have to work to keep the wool clean on a sheep, right? You know it. You have to brush it all out, wash them all down, and do everything. And how long does it take to dry a sheep out? A long time, right? A long time. And what do you do to keep them? You shear it all off, right? They look nice and slender then, but fat still, but slender. <laughs> Right? <laughs> a box, right? If they have too much will, they will they pick up junk. And that is what we often do as Christians. It is the world we live in. Our wool, as we go out into the world, it sucks up every little bit of stuff we see and do. We get on a phone, and what's available on a phone? Everything. Everything. Lots of good things, lots of bad things. 
Lots of things that suck our time away. Lots of things that can be destructive to our lives are on a phone. It's all accessible. Things you could build up with, but a lot of other things. So, and I'm not just picking on phones, but that tends to be something that a lot of us have access to. Computers, television, we pick all that stuff up. If we watch stuff and we put our hearts and our minds into all that stuff and we don't get back to the Lord and he's only there for the once in a while thing and we just forget about him, then our wool picks up more and more and more and more junk. We get heavier and heavier and heavier and longer and longer stuff. And then all of a sudden, we lay down because we say, yeah, I'm tired. Right back over on our, on our back. And then we realize... Maybe I shouldn't have done all that. Right? And that is a shearing process where God has to come in and say, we got to get rid of this stuff out of your life. we got to get rid of it. we got to get rid of what's there, and we got to give you the chance to get upright and stay upright and be settled in your Christian life, perfect and established and strengthened and calmed and settled in your Christian life. It's absolutely what we need to do. With that, he restores our joy. He restores our peace. Romans 15, 13, we don't have to turn there, but Romans 15, 13 basically says when God restores us, he gives us joy and peace, and those things bring hope. Hope is important to us as a Christian. When you have no drive, no desire, you lose those things, you get in trouble. That's what keeps you going in your life. Drive and desire and things. And so God gives you the joy, God gives you the peace to say, just walk through it. Tomorrow might not be the day you're looking forward to, but just walk through it, you'll be fine. I had a day... Uh, last week, I had to go and be go to a meeting. It was a bunch of people that worked for me, lots of new people, lots of people that have been around for a long time, and everyone had been at odds with one another. It was not a meeting I looked forward to. It was not a meeting I wanted to even do. People had been yelling at each other and doing nasty texts to one another, lots of different things. I ended up having to go in and facilitate a meeting to walk through but it, I was just not interested in doing it. But what I ended up doing was praying, sitting down and praying about it multiple times and praying with another Christian. And we walked into that meeting and it was calm. And there was a little blow up and God gave me just the words to say and the right way to say it and the calm way to say it and everyone walked out and it was like, well, I know that was God doing that. He can give you strength, settle you. When the world is doing this all around you, you can walk right through. People wanted to not have that meeting. Even other supervisors that were supposed to have that meeting, they're like, we shouldn't have that. I think we have to. And we did. And so with that, God gives you that opportunity and God helps you. Now, one last verse before we go. Galatians chapter 6, verse number 1. Galatians chapter 6, verse number 1. This is an important one for you, for me, for everyone, because it not only applies to us, 
Galatians chapter 6, verse number 1. It not only applies to us, but it is good for us. Okay? Whomever has it, Galatians chapter 6, verse number 1. Doesn't matter. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. All right? So this is it. God restores us even when we are buried in our brains, in our hearts, in the middle of a fault, a sin. We can't see our own problems. God comes in, and how does he do it? In meekness. Meekness and love, right? Restore him in meekness, considering yourself to make sure that you might not fall into the same trap. God restores us, and that's why he says to all of us, watch for the people around you. Be careful. This is something of great care. Do not approach people without meekness, which means I can go up and say, boy, you made a mess of that. I can't believe you did that. I'd never do that, boy. I can't believe it. Here's what you should do in your life. Watch approaching people like that, because if you approach people like that, you may be the next one falling into that sin. Do not be deceived. Every one of us can fall. And we can fall where we never thought we could. Okay? So it says restore this person. Restore them. Bring them back to friendship, closeness, on the right path. Do the things that your Lord has done for you. Be patient with people. Help them. Give them that stability that you as a Christian have learned to have over time. The calmness. Be calm around them. Don't create a big froth and a frenzy wherever you are. Be calm and steady. Those are the people that draw groups to them. Those are leaders. And you are called as a Christian to be a leader to the world. You are to be salt. You are to be light. You are to be watching for those fellow sheep around you because there may be one that's on its back. It may need help. And it doesn't need for you to go preach a sermon to them. They need you to come and help roll them back over. Something physical, it's something kind, it's something careful. Don't roll them towards you. Roll them away. Bring them up. Help them and strengthen them like God does for you. Don't be thinking you're better. Okay? Be aware. Restore someone's soul. In as much as you have the ability to do it, because God has restored your own. He restoreth my soul, brings me back, sets me up, sets my feet down, gives me strength, gives me peace, settles me, and I'm on my way. That's God's loving kindness that does that. All right, thank you very much.